Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Miss Durante. Yes, <laughs> Miss Loftus. We had one uh, very, very brief encounter. Now you have to be my best friend forever until I die. Well, I think you're rude because you didn't properly introduce yourself. All right, I guess I'll just keep showing up until you change your mind. <laughs> and oh, look at that. It worked. We're best friends. And now I'm going to save your life. It's because I was falling off of a plane. You know, it's it's complicated. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Well, that was sure an intro. Welcome to the Bechtel cast. <laughs> My name's Jamie Loftus. My name is... Caitlin Durante I hesitated because I was like am I gonna like call myself Miss Witch or something but then I did I didn't and then it just made it sound like I didn't know what my name was look it's good everything's going great (laughs) everything's going great it's fine you can call yourself Miss Witch why not yeah um this is the Bechtel cast where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point The Bechdel test being a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. There are many versions of the test, but the one that we use currently requires that two characters of a marginalized gender must have names, they must speak to each other, and their conversation has to be about something other than a man. And ideally, it is a narratively meaningful conversation. And spoiler alert, today is going to have no problems. The first scene (laughs) passes, I think, 100%. Right. Um, I don't think two male characters speak to each other at all in the entire movie. No, I know that they make eye contact. But also, I was really interested (laughs) in, um, usually we're having the reverse discussion, but I didn't know until because I'm a big fan of this movie but I'd, I'd never really researched the adaptation changes before 
mm-hmm. it's the Kiki's delivery service episode, by the way. Yes. But I didn't realize that they gender swapped Gigi. Uh, Gigi in the Japanese dub is a lady cat. Uh, <laughs> and I guess that cats in um, Japanese fiction are traditionally presented feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they switched it to phil hartman which i don't hate at all like i i think it, uh-huh. if the phil hartman um gg performance is a delight you know it brings a certain newsies je ne sais whatever to to the part <laughs> but originally yeah i think that the only time i could find men interacting is when um asona's husband looks at gg but i guess in the original movie that wouldn't have even applied because gg is right in the original movie huh how about that? Things I learned today. I do like that they're like, let's make this cat sound like he's from Long Island for some reason. And you're like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Does that mean the romance between the two cats, because the other cat seems to be coded quite feminine. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's a queer cat relationship? Let's say yes. Yeah. Let's say yes. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I love that. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the Bechdel cast. This movie is about women. Uh, And we have an amazing returning guest today. Let's get her in the mix. Yes, she is a pop culture critic. She's an executive producer at iHeart Podcasts. She's an executive producer and co-host of a new show, Comic-Con Metapod. And you remember her from our Little Princess episode. It's Joelle Monique. I love that I get to talk about all my girlhood favorites with you. I just get to come in here and talk about the women that shaped me. Last time we were really embracing all of my Virgo Libra aspects. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's girls doing princessy things with pinkies up. And today we're going to embrace my power of no girl who I really love. I, I'm obsessed with Kiki. We're the same age. She came out in 89, mm-hmm. as did I. Um, <laughs> and that cat relationship is absolutely queer uh, in my head now. I didn't mm-hmm. know that in the Japanese version, it was two lady cats, but now lesbians. And one is just very mask. And I think that's okay. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joelle, what is your history with this movie? Other than uh, y- you and Kiki both dropped the same year. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So around about, I would like to say mid to late 90s early 2000s Cartoon mm-hmm. Network introduced me to the world of anime and Kiki's Delivery Service is a movie they would play on Sundays sometimes Saturdays maybe would come on a late Friday night but usually not usually it was like a mid afternoon thing and that's when Joel was at home watching TV <laughs> and wow did I fall in love really fast um you know Spirited Away came out when I was older and it came out in theaters and I had like a much longer in-depth interaction with that film just because it was advertised to me at the right age this movie was like here's an old film you might like children and I really did and it was so cool because it really took I like to call it like a reverse fairy tale where there's a lot of magical elements but it's completely grounded as opposed to Mm. a lot of the other things I was consuming which is super high fantasy and you know very like almost all of the stories are Romeo and Juliet inspired, but they get together at the end. Uh, They don't (laughs) die. It's totally fine. Kids risk it all. (laughs) Be rebellious. No consequences. Um, Or is this, you know, was very much about a young girl 
just trying to figure it out. And especially because I was the type of 13 year old who was like, I'm pretty sure I could move to New York and pay rent and do it. I think mm-hmm. I can live by myself. I don't need these other people. And Kiki really spoke to me on that level. She was like just out there doing it for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it was my working girls before I became of age to watch that movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I uh-huh. really like it. So yeah, that's, that's mostly my history. I saw it on Cartoon Network a lot. And then I got into college and I was able to stream it a lot. Shout out to LimeWire. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about LimeWire. Oh. Never forget. Oh, classic. Never forget. Classic. Definitely destroyed my first Dell with uh, <laughs> too many LimeWire uh-huh. downloads. Yeah, I ended up with some real disgusting things on my family's computer as a result of oh, LimeWire. No. But, um, but, you know, it was all in the interest of uh, bringing music to the people or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, though. Jamie, what's yeah. your uh, relationship with? and history with Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, This is the Miyazaki movie that I have the longest and closest history with. I think I saw this movie. I remember my friend, Samantha Honeywell, shout out, because I was always like, that's the coolest name I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Um, The Honeywells had this on VHS, the English dub. Um, Sometime when I was in elementary school, my whole family was very into uh, witchy stuff. My aunt and uncle uh, practiced witchcraft, and so I was always really into witchy movies, mm. especially when they were young girls. I had a black cat, so it was just, it was very easy to plug into the Kiki fantasy. And also, like, just, I mean, I haven't seen this movie in, I want to say, at least five years, but probably longer mm. because there was a time where it's in the u.s uh, unless you owned miyazaki movies they weren't like the most streamable stuff it was a big deal when they were put on hbo mm-hmm. and so i hadn't seen it in a long time and it's just like watching it back as in my at my advanced age i just it holds up so well kiki experiences mm-hmm. burnout uh i was just like <laughs> mm-hmm. wow okay like this yep. is they really get into it um I adore this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin, what's your history with Kiki's Delivery Service? Not a long one. I hadn't seen it until about a year ago, not long after they became all the Miyazaki movies became available on HBO. And this one was at the top of my list to watch, so I did, and I really loved it, and there are elements about it that are so relatable to me as a full adult. Yeah. Such as the burnout. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking. Such as the burnout, such as there's a line of dialogue where Kiki says something like, yeah, I I used to think flying was fun until I started doing it for a living. And I was yeah, like, I oh, know. that is a thing that I can relate <laughs> to. But also, my job is still fun. <clears throat> still fun. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, I think this movie has so much to offer. 
And I, I know I sound like I'm crying right now, but it's just because I'm choking on my own saliva. I'm having a, I'm having a day. Oh, no. I don't know what my name is. I'm choking, I'm crying. You need Ursula. I'm so tired. To, you need Ursula to kind of intervene and be like, "Look, we're gonna go to a cabin for a couple of days. We're just gonna <laughs> yes. talk it out. Like, mm-hmm. use my bed. The cottage core elements. Abound. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, <laughs> it is just a full cottage core sequence. Mm-hmm. The sweet like friendship intimacy of Ursula letting Kiki use her bed. I feel like that uh, was always my f- like my favorite moment in the movie ever since I was really little because mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, a cool girl let you sleep in her bed. And I still feel <laughs> the same way. <laughs> the cool girl vibes throughout this movie are off the chart. The first witch she runs into on the way over, I'm terrified mm. of her to this day. Okay, Her accessory <laughs> game alone crushes me. And then to just be so cool as to say, I can't even listen to music. I'm flying. <laughs> She has a light because she's smart. I just can't with this movie. (laughs) She's so, and then she's like, I can tell like love fortunes, and we never find out really what that means or what that entails. And then she's like, goodbye forever. And you're like, oh, yes, yes. What it tells us is that she knows everything and she's too busy to deal with us because she's cool and she has other things to do. She's cool. She is snooty. There are a lot of snooty characters. I feel like Mm -hmm. snootiness is a motif in this movie, but she's like, yeah, I'm sure that town seems really big to you, but to me, it's just whatever. It's and then she like, goes down. <laughs> and then you get like a classic Phil Hartman uh, reaction shot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, well, she sucked. Yes. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> if side eye were a voice, like <laughs> perfection. It is very funny to me how like, like, I, I don't know. I did a little bit. Uh, I, I just was like, I, I'm very fascinated with how Miyazaki movies were adapted by Disney for distribution and how there's like there's always like these little changes that are made and the Gigi character also like they sort of Disney-fied his role in the story as like he appears as an animal familiar in the way that like a Disney princess's animal familiar Mm -hmm. would appear Mm -hmm. in like the dialogue cadence like obviously Gigi was always there for Kiki but was like not as sarcastic not as like like Mm. a lot of the dialogue lines for Gigi changed where the spirit of the line is the same but they sort of like you know rewrite it for an American comedian so is it coded more so okay so coded a little salt here you're getting a little bit of your Iago yeah 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 uh you know pre this predates Iago so maybe this is this is the foundation, the build. But I I feel like, man, I really love Gigi. And now I'm trying to imagine, I would still, I'd still want the comedian aspects. Of it. I'd still want like a salty lady. Even if they decided to gender flip it back, I think I would still be looking for a Wanda Sykes-esque. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. salty I would enjoy a Wanda Sykes Gigi. <laughs> and this would have been post-Iago too, because this, the dub, at least the dub that's on HBO, wasn't made until 1997. Mind right. blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it had to be like early 2000s I was seeing it. That's crazy. It's really wild. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm figuring out the timeline. <laughs> um, wait, there. I found a little passage on uh, Gigi just because I, 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 I love learning about adaptation. It's fascinating. Um, okay, so this is from Scarly Journal, <laughs> Wikipedia. Of course. <laughs> 
The depiction of the cat Gigi is changed significantly in the Disney version. In the Japanese version, Gigi is voiced by Rei Sakuma, a female actor, while in the English version, Gigi is voiced by Phil Hartman. In Japanese culture, cats are usually depicted with feminine voices, whereas in American culture, their voices are more gender-specific. A number of Hartman's lines exist where Gigi simply says nothing in the original. Gigi's personality is notably different between the two versions, showing a more cynical and sarcastic attitude in the Disney English version, as opposed to cautious and conscientious in the original Japanese. In the original Japanese script, Kiki loses her ability to communicate with Gigi permanently. I guess the original cut of this involved the Phil Hartman voice coming back at the end. Um, oh boo hmm. boo but then they took that the original japanese version in it, like i guess it was supposed to be a sign of kiki's maturity that she could no longer talk to her cat yes. I, um, excuse me i think that it's a, a mark of maturity look for you to talk to your cat and your talk your cat to, to talk back so i don't know what that's all about but i literally watched this movie with flea yes your black cat cat. yeah dead ringer for Gigi. not Mm -hmm. a lot of movies hold his attention but he was he was with me the whole time it was great nice i marked it more as like a if you again this movie is so grounded in reality it's the idea of like magical loss of childhood and this idea that there's something Mm -hmm. else to be gained you know especially if it's considered under like this movie very much from the beginning starts with a thesis statement of like, if you're going to be a witch, you better be a good witch and have a good heart. Mm-hmm. And I think she does that so much throughout the movie. And eventually it sort of becomes a, it's hard. It's hard to be a good person. <laughs> it's hard to live up to like your own ideals and standards. And she struggles with it a lot, but like she also loses part of her childhood in gaining these responsibilities and these new friends and, you know, this new opportunity in this business, some part of her does go away in exchange for that. And I always sort of viewed the cat's voice being gone as that exchange. And I think to leave it in is just, uh, what a disservice to the story overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that um, I don't, I, I couldn't find like if this was just like an organic decision or if there were complaints, but they re-released the American dub, like a redux of it. Um, with the same voices, but they took out the last Phil Hartman line so that the spirit stayed the same as it did in the original. And nice. yeah, I, I agree. I think it's like it's it makes me a little bit sad, but it's supposed to. Mm. Maturing is sad. <laughs> yes, like so, so hard. Yeah, <laughs> being a kid is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm seeing that there was another English dub. I think released in 1990 from Mm -hmm. Streamline Pictures slash Takuma, but I don't, I don't think it had the same kind of like mainstream availability as the Disney dub. So it is possible that you heard that one, Joelle. I Um, wonder if that one ever hit the air. Because if I think about it, the first Miyazaki film I remember watching was um, a rip of... Uh, what's the one with the pr- Princess Mononoke? Mm, and yeah. I watched it on a PC at my mother's office. Um, cool. And so it had, and that Such had a to be like vibe. 2000. <laughs> yes, yes. It was fifth grade. I was ready to go home. And it was amazing. And then I, I'm pretty sure not too long after that, Spirited Away comes out. And then somewhere immediately after that, I find Howl's Moving Castle and Kiki's delivery service. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of very jumbled up in those early junior high, you know, late elementary years. But 
I definitely remember thinking like where are the American cartoons with girls like this? Mm-hmm. The fact that there were yeah. like young girls just being girls interested in maturing but not being grown ups, you know, actually addressing the PG thirteen like element of life, that that time period and being like this these are people I can actually relate to and being sort of blown away first by that and then obviously by the art. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like gorgeous. It's uh yeah. And and I think it's like it is wild to like I don't know, it wasn't until I was like halfway through the movie that I'm like, Oh yeah, this movie came out the same year as The Little Mermaid and mm-hmm. the differences are quite clear. And I love The Little Mermaid. But what? you know <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, you love it because you get to be dramatic with it. But I love him, daddy. And it's like right. a lot of like throwing your shoe and running, um, which is fun. It's fun to sort of embrace that. But as a story that actually speaks to the conditions you're living under, I think there's like, there's just no comparison. But I mean, mm-hmm. at the same time, though, the premise of the Little Mermaid, like Disney's the Little Mermaid and Kiki's Delivery Service is like pretty similar in the sense that they're both fish out of water striking out you know <laughs> yeah. trying to figure one stuff a up. little more literal than the other yeah right right <laughs> but the execution is like so different and in, in like very fascinating ways um before we get too deep into the discussion oh yeah uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and recap the story Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu and we are back so here is the recap of kiki's delivery service we meet kiki voiced by kirsten dunce in the 
Disney dub. Mm-hmm. She is a young witch, I believe 13 years old, who, as per witch tradition, must leave home for a year to begin her training. And that night is the perfect night for her to leave because it's both a full moon and there are clear skies. So Kiki says goodbye to her mom and dad. She packs up her belongings. She takes her mom's broom and she sets off with her talking cat, Gigi. Again, voiced by Phil Hartman in (laughs) the Disney dub. Very sadly, Phil Hartman's last voice role. Before he mm-hmm. passed away. No. Oh, yeah. God. Which we don't have to go there today. This is a happy episode. Uh, <laughs> I did think it was funny, um, even when I was little, how abrupt, like the movie just like starts and Kiki mm-hmm. is like, oh, I'm leaving home today. Like, I feel like in a, <laughs> I'm used to in movies, like when, you know, kids and parents are separated, there's this like long, like, I love you so much. But, and they do like the family obviously loves each other, but it's just like Kiki's like, I'm leaving. And then they're like, I don't know. Should it be today? And she's like, yes. And then two hours later, they're like, all right, <laughs> <She's> gone. cool. <laughs> like they respect her decision and they, they are like, well, best of luck. Like, I just thought it was really funny. Well, yeah, what's really interesting about the way that this entire film is set. First of all, kudos to Miyazaki for just being like, no, I'm going to set this up like story time. Cause I feel like if you think about like a Looney Tunes beginning or even a Disney, it's like a lot of loud crashing music to let you know fun's about to happen. Like <laughs> strap in kids, like we're about to sling some jokes at you. <laughs> and you start completely in silence in a Miyazaki film. It's like, here's some bright colors. They're pastels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be peaceful and calm and uh, you're going to learn some stuff. And then it's underscored pretty quickly by just wind, which we know Miyazaki is obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And you get this sort of like natural orchestra going. And then it's just radio waves. And I think so much about being that age is about being alone and trying to figure out who you are. You know, you have friends, mm-hmm. you have family, but it's a, I mean, at least for me, I spent a lot of time in my room being like, who the hell am I? I'm reading a book. I'm watching TV. I'm looking in magazines. Like someone please tell me who I am <laughs> so I can start doing this thing. Um, and for her to be listening to a radio and it starts off with, like the spirit of freedom, mm-hmm. right? Which sort of becomes this banner for the entire film of what does that mean, especially as you mature, if a child for freedom is just like running around the block and screaming your head off, but ideally when you're going out and sticking your claim and deciding who you are, what does that look like? And then on top of that, it's a clear night and she's like, oh, I have a perfect night to leave. And I love the idea early of bringing superstition into a witch movie in a casual way that I think a lot of girls do mm-hmm. Oregon at least I did <laughs> very much like oh no then we have to act now conditions are perfect like go and it's completely her decision to to start her life mm-hmm. and I love the way it sort of bowls over her parents you know her father is like how you're growing up so fast and then the duality of how she treats her parents like with her mother very strict boundaries very much like I'm, I'm doing it and you need to listen to me and I'm setting the rules. And with her dad, you know, the first thing she asked is like, can you pick me up and spin me around when I was little? And I think Aww. it's such a beautiful personification of like how she's divided as like, to quote the great Britney Spears, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. She's in between. Mm-hmm. We were just quoting that the other day. Uh, <laughs> it is Classic. beautiful. Like they set up everything so effectively and so quickly. And like, I like that you find out that the mom is like, president of witches or you know like whatever whatever that means 
I support it. That's great. Yeah. And that yeah, like her it's it seems like her mom is kind of like the breadwinner, you know, it seems like a very matriarchal system they've got over there. And that you mm-hmm. see her relationship, like you see three generations of witches. And then it's yeah. I think Debbie Reynolds is grandma witch, which Debbie Reynolds is canonically Grandma oh, Witch. Debbie Reynolds was the. Oh, yeah. was she a different one? <gasps> the Madame who was so. like, here okay. is a, a herring pie. She should have been Grandma Witch because then she could have been Grandma Witch across so many different Disney projects. Yeah. Was that her grandma or was that. I thought it was just like a neighbor lady who was like. There was a neighbor lady, but then her dad is like, hey, mom, I just want to let you know Kiki's leaving tonight. Oh, and right. there's a second old lady in the lawn chairs outside mm. right before she floats okay. off i i know we're only one paragraph into the recap but i also want to shout out just like the world building and how just like seamless and subtle it is where again if you're comparing this to like a disney renaissance movie it would be like once upon a time there was a, a family of witches and they started the tradition of leaving home when you're 13 years old to go and, do, and it would just be like this whole like story sim- similar to how shrek opens like a uh, storybook like here's an exposition dump okay but this she's being <laughs> shrek critical <laughs> interesting so this is not shrekian in the sense that it just like drops you in this world and you just like go along with the world building but it's very easy to follow. Like, it's just, I, I thought it was handled very, in like a very cool and interesting way. But it is Shrekian in that we love it and it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, so she sets off on the broom with her talking cat, Gigi. Also talking cat, Shrekian. Puss in boots. Well, in that, yeah, you know? a talking donkey, talking cat. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels between <laughs> Kiki and Shrek. Thank you. <laughs> Both have witches. No, I see where we're going. Both have witches. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a fantasy <laughs> paradise uh, that is above reproach. Both are set in a, like, a very nondescript European mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. You know? There is baking in Shrek. What would the gingerbread man and so forth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Huh? Deliveries have to be made. Deliver. Yeah. <gasps> deliveries do have to be made a rescue takes place you know like we could we could keep going <laughs> go on forever this is extremely shrekian this movie is actually very shrekian <laughs> <laughs> yes um okay so kiki is not very good at flying on a broom but she heads south toward the ocean to hopefully settle in a city there on the way she meets another young witch we already talked about her she's the very cool snooty witch who has been developing her fortune telling skills kiki on the other hand has not decided what her skill is going to be yet it starts raining so kiki and Gigi take cover in a train which starts moving and takes her to a coastal city where kiki decides to settle she hopes that witches don't already live in this city because it seems like there isn't a need for maybe more than one or two witches in each city. But she learns that no witches live there yet. Mm-hmm. So Kiki tries to make a good impression, but she almost causes a traffic accident when she's flying around on her broom. And the locals are mostly ambivalent toward witches. Yeah. There's also this cop who's who wants to reprimand her for this near traffic accident. 
A cab. A cab. Seriously, the cop from Kiki's delivery service. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this cop gets distracted when someone in the distance is like, thief, stop this thief. And the person who created this diversion turns out to be this boy, Tombo. Tombo thinks Kiki and her ability to fly are really, really cool. But Kiki thinks Tombo is annoying and rude. (laughs) I love her attitude towards Tombo. It's very special. You don't see that a lot in kids' media in a way that's just very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while Kiki is trying to figure out a place to stay, she encounters Asono, a bakery owner who needs to return something that a customer left behind. And Kiki offers to return it for her on her broom, which she does. And Asono is grateful for Kiki's help, and she lets Kiki stay in a spare room in her attic. Another great line where she brings Kiki to this room that is objectively quite dirty, and she's like, well, I'd help you clean it up, but as you can see, I'm pregnant, so... I'm pregnant. I'm so pregnant. (laughs) What can I do? Heavy with Greg. Can't really do much to help. Gotta go. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) Phil Hartman's like, this place is disgusting. (laughs) yep great uh so she moves into the attic room and based on her ability to quickly transport things to people on her broom kiki decides to start a delivery business Um, she gets settled into her new place she bumps into tombo again and then kiki gets her first customer a woman wants her to deliver a birthday gift for her nephew The gift is a toy cat that looks a lot like Gigi. And while making the delivery on her broom, a strong gust of wind blows Kiki off course and she loses the toy cat. Did not listen to geese and felt peril. I know. The the Miyazaki wind stuff is always so fascinating because you're just like, wow, we're really, these are very specific natural rules that she's ignoring uh, Mm -hmm. that I don't think completely scanned for me when I was a kid. And then Phil Hartman cat, Gigi. I keep thinking of his (laughs) Phil Hartman cat. Phil Hartman cat's like, you should have listened to those geese. I was like, who? I guess if you were a witch and you're flying all the time, maybe you would know to listen to geese. I thought that the geese were just, you know, hmm, vibing up there. I didn't know what they were trying to tell her. (laughs) He translated it perfectly. He said, there's a big gust of wind coming. And then they made a shield of themselves to protect her. And then they were like, that wind's going to blow us. And she's like, what? And then <laughs> right in the face. Mm-hmm. I I love that Gigi um, is bilingual. He speaks goose. Yeah. He speaks the language of all birds, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Legend. So she loses the gift and she has Gigi pretend to be the toy cat until she can find the real one. So she searches for the toy and finds it in a house that belongs to an artist. And that's Ursula, right? Mm-hmm. Also, two Ursulas. That's uh, Little Mermaid synergy taking place. Whoa. Yes. True. True. They're... Yeah. The only reason I knew it was her is because it's Janine Granofalo? Garofalo. Garofalo. There we go. Get it. Jean Garofalo, and uh, she is the cool artist lady you would want to spend long nights talking to you about. Mm-hmm. What does the meaning of your life mean? <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, cool casting. I was like, oh, that 
that just like fits so that's like her character that she plays yes Mm -hmm. it's just her yep cool girl energy so the toy's damaged and its head is starting to fall off so ursula offers to fix it for kiki if kiki helps clean ursula's house so she does meanwhile Gigi is struggling to pretend to be a toy, especially because there's a very big dog in the house. His name is Jeff. I love Jeff. Jeff the dog. Um, But Jeff ends up helping Gigi escape and he helps Kiki when she returns with the toy cat. So Jeff is an ally and we love Jeff. Gigi's pure astonishment at Jeff. He's a good boy it totally took me out he'll do it (laughs) it was was amazing yeah there were so many moments in this movie where you expect things to go south and i and i kind of wonder i'm like oh maybe that's just like how american movies were conditioning our brains to think things were gonna go because i remember very clearly watching this movie for the first time thinking that the older woman, who I guess is voiced by Debbie Reynolds, yes, was going to shove Kiki in the oven. Like I just remember, it, <laughs> like a Hansel and Gretel. I did think she was a witch at first because yeah, she's coated in such. I think accidentally because you don't see her at first. Like somebody comes to the door and greets you, and then she's chilling in back to so the old voice. Oh, you mean like, her lesbian lover? Because those two women <laughs> obviously, are lesbian lovers. Obviously. For sure. <laughs> Very death on the Nile of them. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but then she has that old school stove where, listen, if Hansel and Gretel weren't getting shoved into like a stove that's set on the floor and made of like cast iron, they were getting shoved into one of those brick wall oven things. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why I thought it was going to have it, because I was just like, wait no like, and she was an old lady who wasn't in like inherently her grandmother so she must be evil <laughs> right and yes. that's yeah and that's yet another way say. that western storytelling they're like if a woman is older and you don't know her personally she's about to kill you and you're <laughs> yeah, like, she wants to eat you suck your soul mm-hmm. because she's jealous of your youth <laughs> there are no children around her evil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay anyways no one tries to kill kiki it's shocking. Except for a few gusts of wind. Except the wind, <laughs> it's yeah. really the air. <laughs> but the elements. <laughs> yeah. So sometime later, Tombo comes by the bakery to invite Kiki to a party that night at the aviation club. And she's still not thrilled with him at first, but she warms up to him and then really wants to go to this party. But first, she has to make a few deliveries because her business is starting to take off. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> wow. Wow. Kiki's a girl boss. She is, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> right. For one of her deliveries, the pot pie is not ready yet because the old woman in the credits, I think her, like, she's just madam. madam. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Debbie Reynolds. Um, her oven isn't working, so Kiki helps her bake the dish and then helps her around the house. But, oh, no, now Kiki is running late for the party, and it starts raining when she sets off to make the delivery. Mm. Also, Debbie Reynolds' granddaughter is ungrateful for the pot pie, and Kiki is soaking wet, and she's so late for this party. So she just ends up going home and getting into bed, which also so relatable. So relatable. (laughs) And then she gets... She gets sick. I wanted to just really quickly shout out the pie because I don't know that we 
talked about this in our last Miyazaki episode, but the like Miyazaki food scenes are kind of like yes. the stuff of legend mm-hmm. and that pie in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like so like I, I feel like that. I don't know. Just like a little more detailed than it needs to be in a way that is very exciting there's like yes. a crust of fish it's like a pie but there's a fish on top and you're just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i don't know great well and then even detailing it with like the highest parts of the pie got burned a little because it's a full roaring mm-hmm. fire and it's not gonna cook evenly mm-hmm. like the thought process that goes into food the way like the loaves of bread uh at the opening um yeah. silent husband as i like to call him like <laughs> flips open the pans and twirls them on his fingers for the cat and mm-hmm. i just would love to apparently there is a miyazaki land in japan and i hear the food's okay and i would like to go to there mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. eat my way through yeah i didn't know that existed god that's incredible yeah silent husband is exactly how and then he says one line at the end and you're and i've just i was was like like, you can talk that's not how i thought he was going to sound Mm, yeah no (laughs) i just did his voice is so much deeper than i i don't know what i thought he's gonna sound like but i was like whoa okay (laughs) okay so kiki does get sick for a few days after flying in the rain but then she starts to feel better she makes a delivery for someone who turns out to be tombo who shows her his flying machine, a.k.a. a bike with a propeller on the front. And they get on it and go to the beach where this blimp, a.k.a. they keep calling it a dirigible. Yes. I had never heard that word before. Uh, I'm going to keep calling it a blimp. But on the way to see the blimp, they veer off course and his flying bike breaks. Mm -hmm. But they laugh about it until... Tombo's friends show up and invite them to tour the blimp, but Kiki doesn't want to go because she feels like an outsider among them. She feels that they look at her as if she's kind of like an oddball outsider. I like I like that they introduce kind of like Chekhov's Hindenburg in this. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So like if you introduce a Hindenburg-like image it's got to crash by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to quite Hindenburg, but I would say this did like a diet Hindenburg. It, yes. There's definitely a catastrophe involved with the blimp. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I remember being very scary because you like, it almost felt like a, a little uh, Titanic connect where you're like, oh my oh, God, they're yeah. going to get crushed. Like it, it mm. just, it's, it's very scary. Yeah. Anyways, Chekhov's Hindenburg, write it down. (laughs) (laughs) New merch coming soon. Um, So when Kiki goes home after kind of abruptly leaving Tombo and his friends, she discovers that she can't understand Gigi anymore. So he just sounds like a cat meowing at her and not Phil Hartman making, you know, sarcastic quips. Which would be a big disappointment. It would be so devastating. If you if my cat made sly comments all the time and then just abruptly didn't, uh, the it, heartbreak. Yeah. Just what a third of my entertainment is gone. <laughs> right. I kind of always imagine because you know, like if you're like pet's voice in your head. Of course. Mm-hmm. And I I do always kind of apply a bit of a newsies accent. To both of my pets. And I wonder Whoa. how much of that is like just latent Phil Hartman GG. Hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. If you have a little black cat, is your animal familiar? It's going to sound a little bit like Phil Hartman. <laughs> That's right. I have a giant dog and she just sounds dopey. She has the tuba that follows Jeff around. Uh, <laughs> always around. Just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did have a little... 
Oh, God. I was really hoping Jeff would come back for more than a second, but. Uh, you know, Je- seriously, he made a meal of his time on screen. <laughs> he really I think. did. It's a joy and a highlight. <laughs> okay, so she can't understand Gigi anymore. Also, Gigi has a cat girlfriend who, again, in the original Japanese version of this movie, lesbian cats. We've got lesbian old ladies. A lot of queer representation in this film. Mm-hmm. So Kiki also discovers she cannot fly on her broom anymore. And she breaks her broom trying to see if she can still fly. So she's losing her witch's powers. She's really depressed. She doesn't want to talk to Tombo anymore. Uh, But then one day, Ursula shows up to visit Kiki. And they take a little like weekend trip together out in the woods. And Kiki confides in Ursula while she draws Kiki. And she tells Kiki that the same thing happened to her as an artist. She felt she couldn't really paint anymore, but she realized what she needed was some inspiration and she needed to discover her own unique style. So that scene really hit for me this time mm-hmm. around. I, mm-hmm. I needed it. Then Kiki returns home and makes another delivery for the madam, except it's actually a gift, a cake from her for Kiki and she's so touched and she starts crying and they are going to celebrate their birthdays together and it's so beautiful but meanwhile oh no there's a terrible accident with the Hindenburg Hindenburg. they're like oh no Chekhov's Hindenburg and it's blowing away because of strong winds so really the wind is the antagonist of this movie and the blimp is taking Tombow along with it so Kiki rushes off She grabs a man's push broom and is able to fly on it again, but she's very rusty and wobbly on the broom. The blimp crashes into a clock tower. Tombo is about to fall off and die, but Kiki manages to get there in the nick of time and she saves Tombo. Mm -hmm. And everyone is so proud of Kiki. She's a, she's a national hero. Wow. And, I don't know about anyone else, but I legitimately burst into tears. Like when she grabs him and then like lowers him down onto the, I was like, oh my God, she It's beautiful. It. And it's like, it builds the suspense so well. Like you don't know if she, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you do, but you don't. And then she lowers him so slowly and it's so beautiful yeah. and it's so chaotic. I guess that that is a, that's a little mermaid parallel where Ariel does save Prince Eric at, Mm. Um, I think a few points in that movie, but yeah, um, it's it is such a beautiful conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then she, I, and then and then you find out. I and then I, I, I get curious about the um, timeline of the movie at the end because it's like she's supposed to be gone for like a year, right? Yeah, or so. And then I'm like, how long has she been gone? Because at the end, it's like I was like, oh yeah, I guess maybe it's been like two months maybe this she became a celebrity like two months into her (laughs) year her semester abroad that's kind of where i thought the timeline was because so the movie ends with kiki and tombo flying together kiki on her broom and tombo on his new and improved flying machine and then we get the credits and we get a few we you know we check in with uh different characters and then there's a scene at the very end of the of that like credit sequence where Kiki's parents receive a letter from her saying how mm-hmm. she loves the city and now she has all this confidence and she's like doing great. And I'm like, oh, well, so she's still, you know, abroad and like on her year abroad, basically. 
So, yeah, I think it's only a few months into her adventures. Wild. So that's the story. Let's take a quick break, and then we will come right back to discuss. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu and we are back we're back on our brooms baby and we're ready to soar into the discussion yes where to begin i feel like we've already it's it's hard to like um keep your feelings at bay when discussing (laughs) when discussing kiki's truly um where where shall we go can we talk about how this reflects just so many points in our lives. Like we've Mm -hmm. sort of been talking a little bit about it. Like for me, it's very indicative of the year between like junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. Like it sort of felt like that summer of like, who am I going to be in this new school? And there's going to be so much less like parental and individual oversight. And I'll be making a lot more decisions about like what kind of orgs I want to be a part of and all this stuff. And then it also sort of reminded me of like, when I moved out of the dorms in college, which for me was like the second half of freshman year and I got my first apartment and <laughs> I was like, I can totally, I have so much money shopping spree. Uh, looks like all I can eat is pancakes. Damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then even now sort of with the aspects of like burnout and definitely female friendships at this point in time in my life as somebody who's like, not in a very seriously committed relationships. My female friendships are like the most grounding structural feature of my daily life. Mm-hmm. And I think she's surrounded by so many incredible women who see her so authentically. And I love that this movie sort of embraces all of those moments and asks you, if you're envisioning yourself as Kiki, you don't need to change. 
there's so many times when this could have flown off into like a makeup montage. She's practically begging for one the whole movie. Yeah, she's yeah. like, my shoes aren't right. Look at these pretty red shoes. Maybe I'll get those. And I, my dress, it's not right, mom. Like it's just dark and I would look better in lilac. And mm-hmm. the woman she lives with, she's like, I got invited to a party I don't wear. She's like, well, that's not really a problem because you look great and cool and mysterious in this dope dress you have. Right. Anyone else would have been like, montage girl let's fix you so people will like you and i love the idea that all these women essentially just encourage her to like be herself and take her time and get some rest and all the great advice you get from your girlfriends and it's so oh man it's the kind of movie you instantly want to share with the little girls in your life you're like please watch and consume and like internalize as quickly as you can yeah i mean Mm -hmm. and like I, this has like been on my mind for you, and I guess I hadn't thought about how Kiki is like such a unique, shining example of just like the value of teaching kids in general, like when to say no, but in particular teaching young girls when to say no, because Kiki is like, and and also seeing that not result in some worst case scenario where Kiki is like she burnt part of the reason she burns herself out is because she's so. She works really hard. Like she is very, very, very accommodating to other people in a way that I feel like girls are often like conditioned to do. Trained to be. And like she's Mm -hmm. always doing the most for other people in a way that is like speaks to how good her heart is. But when she has to like when she hits a wall and she like is completely burned out and has nothing left to give no one's upset with her everyone's like yeah of course like we appreciated everything you were doing for us but like you don't have like don't hurt yourself don't kill yourself on behalf of like <laughs> practice some self-care like Literally, rest a bit I mean, and like get back on your feet yeah well and the thing that really burns her out is the lack of appreciation right like yes mm-hmm. it's the rain and it gives her a cold and all of that but it's your grandmother and I worked really hard to make sure you could have this thing that she thought you would love in your, again, snootiness and complete rejection of this, you know, gift made with so much love. Like, it's so disheartening to her that she can't. Because I feel like before this, Kiki is always seeing the bright side of things. You know, when they arrive in the town, her mm-hmm. cat is like, you know, oh, there may be, which is already, she's like, and there might not be. We just don't know yet. We have to go ask some questions. She's like, always a glass half full kind of gal Mm -hmm. but everyone's been accommodating and appreciative and supportive up -hmm. until that point even her first customer is a woman and she gives her way more money than she was like i didn't even think of product price and they're like you poor girl okay this is what you want to be she's overpaid a couple of times and you're like yes people appreciate her work and then literally like debbie reynolds is like you know kiki's like you don't have to pay me if if your pie isn't done and Debbie Reynolds is like, no, you came here, you worked. And it's like, wow, Miyazaki. And you know that like Miyazaki has been involved in like workers rights and labor rights throughout his career too. So it feels very like intentional and thoughtful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's something that really struck me too, where like a recurring theme slash motif is this idea of like, Kiki isn't really sure what her work is worth. And like, is uh, part of me was like I don't even know if she's being overpaid by these people it's probably just that she's been conditioned to like not know her value which is another thing that girls are not ever taught how to negotiate for themselves or like not 
taught like how to know the worth of their labor and skills and stuff like that absolutely and her mom even makes such a big point of like she barely knows how to fly which sort of hit me on two points is like one you did this at 13 as well your daughter is like clearly very capable she's like checking the night she makes sure like i mean 13 is very young to be like out on your own go start a business as far as like (laughs) Like. (laughs) but as far as tradition goes it's like i think parents often are like my babies when they were often doing things either you know more intense or just about as intense when they were their kids age and it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily harmful um but it was also sort of this idea of like kiki's sort of been i think only child syndrome where she's just around a lot of adults so she's very mature and she's running around and doing her own thing and she hasn't had the time to like learn potions or learn a trade really so that she's fully prepared for this journey and i sort of like that so much of her action is just gumption I just want to go to the ocean. Let's just go see what that's like. We could probably, this town looks good. Like the train dropped me off here. Maybe that'll work. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. like I could take this pacifier back and then doesn't think about at all making that her job until again, here's this older woman who's like, well, that could be a business and you don't have any place to stay. Like, let me give you a room. You poor child out on the street. I love when she goes to the hotel, which again, I just think about if I was 13 trying to do it on my own be like yeah i'm gonna check in so like is your parent around like who are and she's like who's responsible um, for this child which is also relatable too like as a 13 year old but also just as like a person of any age like doing a new thing going yes. to a new place i think there's a lot of like i mean there's a lot of metaphors you can map on to kiki's experience like i was reading a, a twitter thread on our twitter when we were posting about wanting to cover this movie and a listener was like this movie gave me the confidence to like go abroad when Aww. i was uh, like a young yeah. adult and like live abroad and other people were commenting things like oh like i saw this as a metaphor for like pursuing art as a career and like mm-hmm. how people generally respond to that but like how you have to like you know just kind of keep <laughs> doing it and messing up at it until you kind of finally figure it out and mm-hmm. and then just I also think that similar to Paddington you can kind of map like this is similar to an immigrant's experience oh for sure and there's all these just like relatable experiences and yeah we were already talking about some of them but there's also it, you rarely see a female character like a girl of this age in a movie being allowed to just kind of fumble through <laughs> what right. she's trying to do Completely. and like make mistakes but like learn and develop her skills and show emotional vulnerability but also show strength we had a very similar discussion on the spirited away episode too yeah because this is like something that miyazaki is like known for being really good with and like i <laughs> right. i love that it's like she yeah similar to Chihiro Kiki is not great at everything the first time she tries it and you see her like get better in a way that feels like you're saying Joel like very very grounded for the fantasy world that we're in and I think that also makes her more like accessible to kids that are watching the movie because it's like most kids are not going to be amazing at something the first time they try it and like the way that Kiki, like, I don't know, it stood out to me, especially on this viewing, the way that she, like, her strength is that she approaches the world with all this positivity and confidence and just, like, trusts that she's going to find her place. And it's, like, when 
she feels rejected enough times that's when she like loses herself for a little bit and loses what Mm -hmm. makes her so special which is that she is able to like just have this faith in herself that kids are very often able to have in themselves and that sometimes you know like at the age she's at when you're when you're 13 that's when you kind of start to question that and lose that and the fact that she questions it and loses it and then like meets this amazing big sister who another really great moment that I remember thinking was really sweet when I was a kid too is the you know Kiki says I think something that a lot of 13 year olds in I mean regardless of gender say where they're like why would you want to draw like why would you want to draw me I'm like I'm not pretty I'm not cute and (laughs) because I mean think of a time in your life where you'll feel less cute than being 13 years old oh my Uh, god and then her reaction to not be like oh no you're beautiful to laugh to laugh so fully and just being like it's not even a a rejection of that idea it's a complete under of course you feel that way but no let me tell you girl your face is beautiful yeah so it's like that sort of like constant love and positivity and not over dramatizing a moment which i think often happens for like Mm -hmm. like oh you feel bad stop everything we need to make sure you feel good about yourself instead of just sort of embracing that that feeling is real and that you can sort of stay with that feeling and still recognize that there is beauty in you and and that you know you look good kid like you're fine i just think Mm -hmm. there's there's so much um just support and sort of the ideal support that you would hope young people would gravitate towards Right. Um, and n- none of the negative to really counterbalance it at all. It's like there's no need. Like we're just going to keep it 2000% positive. Even if we compare her final heroic scene to any other movie's heroic moment, which is always I've mastered my skills <laughs> and now I can do the job that needs to be done, mm-hmm. which is ludicrous. I mean, if you talk to anybody working in literally any field who's sane and not a complete narcissist, they're like, oh, I still have so much to learn there's i'm constantly messing it up i'm constantly mm-hmm. questioning whether i'm doing it right i have no flicking clue how i'm going to do this next step that i need to do and so to show her fumble the whole way until the very <laughs> last second like there's yep. a moment where you're like is he gonna let this kid just splat on the ground <laughs> is he gonna die in mm-hmm. front of all these people you don't know mm-hmm. not really and and for it to be sort of this great moment and still be so celebrated and so not you know i think again it could easily be like oh she almost dropped him oh scary mm-hmm. but instead it was like oh my god she did it thank god and it's it's just all constant love and support and this movie feels like a warm hug guys if you need one like you can watch this movie uh, it's getting me all teared up just describing kiki like it's so thoughtful and like that night with ursula is so special where like the only i I, joel i think you said this earlier like she's begging for a makeover in the way that you would expect in a movie like about young girls in general Mm -hmm. the whole time and the only thing that changes about her is like her mindset in that yeah. trip like it's so nice it's perfect <laughs> even the way that s- scene is scored there's an entire crescendo until she turns off the light which i'd never noticed Ooh. before until this screening and so it's like it almost mirrors when she's about to fly so when she's about to fly it's like all the sound cuts out and then there's that wishing rustling and then she takes off and goosebumps by the way in the final scene where she just borrows broom she's like i'm just doing that like you're like oh god it's happening but in this scene it's sort of the opposite where it's 
all the magic is in the actual notes of the music. It's not something that has to be concentrated on or really expressed. It's just naturally there. And when she turns off the light, it's even more magical because, you know, if you've been at a sleepover when the lights go off, that's when the real conversation, you know, we're just two voices talking in the dark and, and like being somehow even more honest and intimate than we were before when the lights were on. It is like such a perfect encapsulation mm-hmm. of just those girlhood sleepovers and I really love it Mm. it's so special speaking of I mean we already touched on this a little bit but I wanted to do a deeper dive into Kiki's relationships with other girls and women Mm. because you have scenes at the beginning where it's clear that she has a good relationship with her mom we see her say goodbye to her like group of female friends that are like her age (laughs) everybody seems very supportive of her you know they're all wishing her well and like so excited for her to embark on this journey then when she gets to the city she befriends Asono she befriends Ursula the lesbian couple no woman betrays her Mm -mm. (laughs) in the whole like there is no and there's no real like villain of this movie either nope like except the, the wind yeah the wind is the, <laughs> the sole villain of the like there's the only villain and mostly is it's like, just a challenger it's just something she has to learn how to work with yeah. yeah yeah like the the only villain is like her like loss of confidence and like the forces that mm-hmm. cause her to lose her confidence society self-doubt is the real enemy yeah totally and then so she has all these like just wonderful supportive relationships with women and uh, you know they kind of take on different roles where like Osono kind of becomes sort of like a mother figure but also a bit of a mentor like a a business mentor almost Ursula is sort of like taking on this big sister also mentorish role where she's like yeah I experienced something similar you can confide in me I'm gonna give you some advice on how to get through this um you've got madam and what is her lover's name and again I don't think they're not like canonically necessarily lovers but they definitely call her by a name yeah yeah Barsa maybe yes yes that is absolutely correct are we supposed to think that Barsa works for her I feel like there's like a line of dialogue that indicates that yeah she might be like an employee but mm-hmm. it seems like they're in love that's probably what it's supposed to be it's so very unprofessional of debbie reynolds to be dating her employee <laughs> it's very death on the nile this is how they could be together okay they she has to pretend to be the employee <laughs> so that they can live their lesbian lifestyle without judgment because mm-hmm. it's also like i don't know what era we're supposed to be in but it seems like based on the cars it might be like the f- 40s or 50s i felt like mm-hmm. when i heard aviation club i'm like mm, world war ii right right aviation club uh boy mm. in striped hat and <laughs> propeller hat and you know everything yeah. happens in miyazaki's childhood or present day and that's pretty much it true so mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like this is probably just around the time he's like in his mid-teens which would be a little bit post-world war mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in any case She's got all these just wonderful supportive relationships with these women. And then the one person her age who she befriends is Tombo. 
who, as we joked about at the very beginning, does do that, like, I'm going to wear you down until you agree to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And I think you can kind of assume that he has a crush on her. I think so, yeah. But also, it might just be like, you know, he thinks she's really cool because she can fly and he loves to fly and maybe he just wants to be friends. Either way, no romance emerges, which... Again, if you're comparing this, and maybe it's not fair to compare like a Studio Ghibli movie to a Disney Renaissance movie, but like it's fair because Disney Renaissance movies are the animated movies that I was watching as a kid in the US in the 90s. You know, even though a lot of those movies had a female protagonist, it was stuff like, yeah, but she never had a mom. She never had any female friends. If she met a boy, he became her boyfriend. If she had an animal sidekick, the animal sidekick was there to help her get that boyfriend. You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. a very fair comparison, though, because it's the same years. And and the Disney Renaissance movies were borrowing so heavily from Miyazaki movies. Mm. Just way less effect, like borrowing all the wrong stuff (laughs) that not borrowing anything thematically (laughs) that would have been helpful. But like like, that art is gorgeous fuck a message though right, we, we right. got that on lock <laughs> not interested in evolving there but beautiful art yeah i also think like this is a this film really sort of challenges the idea of like i don't even want to say challenges that's the wrong wording this film sort of sh- really highlights like okay she wants a boyfriend but has no idea like what that actually means she just sort of sees like there's that moment where she's in the shop and it's a slow day and she's bored and she sees like a very elegant girl in her very large floppy hat and her sundress hop on the back of mm. a boy's scooter and she's sitting side saddle how do they do that it's so elegant and you know just one hand braced gently on the back and the other around her guy's waist and they zoom off and it's all very romantic and she lets out this sort of like deep sigh. And then when she has a chance to recreate this, she straight doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, fucks in side saddle. She's like, I, this is how I ride my broom. I know how to fly. And she's completely in her element of like, oh, I know how to fly. Like I can get real low into the ground and I know how to hit these swerves and you're sort of guiding me. And their relationship is entirely built on their desire to like fly and be up and move and it's sort of really interesting to to sort of challenge the idea of like yeah, she might want a boyfriend but she's not ready for it no nothing she's 13 like right. she just gets this opportunity to be friends and i think again what an aspirational thing for young girls to have is just this idea of like you can just be friends with the boys and that's pretty awesome too like right. mm-hmm. and they can treat you fairly and respectfully and never try to objectify you or challenge you or make fun of you which i think especially coming out of like late 80s movies like porkies and um, a much better film but with similar themes fast times at richmond high this idea of like boys are constantly just laughing at girls Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think the idea that none of that happens here is kind of great yeah he like appreciates her like initially for her flying skills and then when he gets to know her better it just seems that he likes her character her like kindness and and positivity and yeah stuff like that and again like comparing it to a disney renaissance movie those plots are usually revolving entirely around the hetero romance versus kiki's delivery service is about like a very just like internal struggle of kiki like growing up and coming of age and learning how to 
be a person in the world. And she makes some friendships along the way and those inform and inspire her. But yeah, it's just like, it's not common that you'd have just a a story (laughs) like that about a a girl, like a teen girl. Imagine. So (laughs) very cool. Yeah, I, it's it's very it's very beautiful. I think I I will say that the, that the Tombow stuff, the way it's developed is a little bit. Uh, that's the only thing about the movie that I'm like it's a little clunky at some points. He is following her around. Yeah, uh, she does repeatedly say, "I don't want to be your friend," and it works out <laughs> for them. And like I don't know, it's a perfect movie. Uh, <laughs> that did stick out to me for a second, where I'm like Tombow. Take the hint for sure. She doesn't want to <laughs> hang. Let her like if she wants to. If she changes her mind, let her come to you. She'll let you know. It's like the most respectful level of like because it's so. I think because it's framed as being very innocent. Like she's so cool. Are you mad at me still? Why? Can you explain it to me? I don't understand what happened. <laughs> right. I want to hang out. Why are you sad? What's going on? Like it's so much about like what what can I do to make it better? Like I just. I just want to hang out and be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's never, you know, aggressive or, and again, no, never blaming no. or like, oh, she's sh- like, she's so frigid. She won't talk to me. I don't understand her. It's just constantly right. going back to it. Like, can you ex- just tell me what's going on? And I think it's, it's sort of the sweetest way you could be hopelessly, I don't even want to say hopelessly in love, but sort of like attracted to somebody. And again, not even in a romantic way, but just attracted to that person. But who is this person? Please talk to me. Mm -hmm. I feel like we can be good friends. Mm -hmm. It's precious. Right. Yeah. I agree, Jamie, that like the way it's handled is a little like, especially because like it works out for them and they become friends, even though he did wear her down and not not really like take her hints and stuff like that. But Joelle, you're also right in that he's not really displaying, aside from like some light stalking, uh, he's <laughs> not he's not engaging in other toxic behaviors that yeah. also usually get rewarded in movies. So the only thing I wish is that Asano hadn't sent her to his house. That yes. creeps me out. I was like, right. I was like, I guess a woman no. does betray her for a second. Like you don't know what he's like. You don't know this boy. Is he good? Right. Right. Especially because Kiki's reaction is like, Asano, how did, well, how could you do this to me? And it's like, yeah, like you're, throwing kiki under the bus right now like this is a lot that's not cool that's truly like the only element that felt late 80s to me everything else was like timeless perfect no notes but that that part that little element it's like oh i bet that that if that was written now it would be done a little differently Hmm. the only other example of something like that for me was um so there's a pancake motif as well in this i love a motif and there's so many motifs in this movie one of them is a pancake motif. Um, it's initially introduced when she is worried that she is only going to be able to eat pancakes because that's all she's going to be able to afford. So it's kind of this like class thing and she's like getting her business off the ground and like not really earning money yet. But then later she's she says... She's a girl boss building her empire. <laughs> <laughs> Which like we, yeah, we have joked about that before. And I think there is like a possible like capitalist read to this. But I choose to view her enterprise I mean, it's not as, worth to get into. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, you know, she's, she's not starting a business so she can get rich and exploit other people. She's just like, I have a skill that most other people don't seem to have because most other people are not witches who can fly on a broom. And I'm going to use this skill and provide a helpful service 
in order to support myself and learn independence. Yeah, I, she yeah, has I to live in a capitalist society, and it's not her fault. But she does have fault. to live through it. It is true. It's tradition. It's tradition that you need to start a business on your thirteenth birthday. Get <laughs> going. Yes. Um, okay, so she's talking about how she's only ever going to be able to afford to eat pancakes. And then at one point she says, if I don't get customers, I'm going to have to eat pancakes forever. And then I'm going to get fat, fat, fat. So I didn't appreciate. But I'll, uh, but then I'm like, well, that is a very like 13-year-old girl thing to say because she's been conditioned to yeah, think that fatness equals bad. Yeah, But I think if this movie were to come out today, a line like that would be yeah. eliminated. It's very little stuff. Like it, it is kind of wild that the grapes we have are like comparatively. I mean, compared to like Disney movies of the same era we've covered, where it's like right. cracking your knuckles, being like, "All right, where do we begin?" Like <laughs> is, rolling uh, up our sleeves. Yeah. The last kind of thing I wanted to talk about is we have discussed on the podcast before the representation of women or girls as witches in media and how witches are often portrayed as villains they're scary evil seductresses or they are like old body horror hags or some other version of bad scary witch lady (laughs) Um, and how that was born from a historical fear and misunderstanding of women's sexuality women's bodies women existing in the world period Mm. but this movie doesn't do anything like that it's borrowing some like iconography from witch stuff such as a black cat and flying on a broom and like potions mixing that like we see her mom doing at the beginning and end but other than that it's just like she's a witch and that's actually really cool and yeah um most people are fine with it except for that one cop (laughs) and and a gap i found a great uh essay by christine john baptiste on bitch media from a couple years ago that like does a great job of fully unpacking like Kiki's place in witch culture and also mm-hmm. like Japanese magic girl culture. Yeah. It's really good. The passage that stuck out to me goes a little something like this. Hit it. Quote, like witchcraft itself, the film centers on the bonds between women. Though the male savior remains a common trope in coming of age movies, girl meets boy, girl falls in love with boy, boy makes girls' lives better. It's women whom Kiki can trust as she learns about herself and rediscovers her strength. Uh, and it goes on to just kind of unpack how traditionally witches, you know, it, it's a way of of making women who are empowered and uh, sustaining themselves and often engaging in like sisterhood and solidarity with other women seem like an evil and terrifying thing that is <laughs> mm-hmm. worthy of violence. And this is this movie is saying the exact opposite. Like it's right. a strength. Kiki's using her powers for good while also knowing her own worth she like gets self-esteem and gives self-esteem to the women around her and Mm -hmm. they're all kind of in it together there's no and there's no villain in the story and she's like she's accepted it's it's very beautiful it's so nice um is there anything else uh we want to talk about actually one thing that i was curious about because this is something I noticed a lot in My Neighbor Totoro and this movie in Kiki's Delivery Service was that you see 
young girls underwear a lot uh which in animation is a very deliberate choice you have to like very deliberately animate that animation famously not real yeah (laughs) (laughs) correct and I was like okay is this just sort of like my puritanical American point of view where I was kind of weirded out by the the very frequent shots of young underage girls and seeing their underwear or is this maybe a cultural thing that I'm just not fully aware of especially because these movies never like sexualize the characters in any way there's never any kind of like predatory camera work happening but at the same time I was like why do we see their underwear so much? It's a good question. And and so we consulted our guest on the Spirited Away episode, Ayumi Shinozaki, and I asked if she had any insight about this. And um, and she sure did. And she sure did. And we are so grateful. And this is what she had to say. Jamie, would you do the honors? Sure. So Ayumi says, regarding Kiki's delivery service and my neighbor Totoro, uh, let's start with this unfortunate panty question. I'm not even someone I would consider a historian of Japanese animation as a whole, but since magical girls have been around a long time and I've watched a lot of shows from across the decades, I'm unfortunately very familiar with this topic. I do have to admit that as someone who has taught very young Japanese children for years, kids who wear dresses often end up showing their panties without realizing it because they're children and they play and they're literally not thinking about stuff like that yet and I wouldn't want them to have to, which Mm -hmm. obviously true of all kids. However, there is a reason why we never see panties in Spirited Away after Miyazaki paid attention to media for young girls. Even now, it's an audience whose comics and cartoons are generally panty-free, but also there were major changes made to regulations in children's media in the 90s, which from my understanding occurred after the Pokemon seizure fiasco. I don't know what that means. Uh, The Pokemon cartoons back in the day had so much Flash animation that they would occasionally cause kids to have seizures. So they were like heavily edited before they came over to America. I don't know much about what happened on the Japanese side, but I do know that when it started airing over here and people caught wind that that had happened, that there was a lot of concern among parents about their kids watching the show. That is what Mm -hmm. I was thinking seizing Pokemon cards. Because that's what happened at my school. If you had Pokemon cards, they were seized. That is how I interpreted that as well. Okay. Continuing. I want to look into that. That's wild. Um, Mm -hmm. Continuing with Ayumi. um, When it comes to the concept, we can blame Osamu Tezuka, the god of manga, who began work in comics and animation from the 1950s. He began to draw panty shots in Astro Boy for the character of Uran, who is a child, and went really wild with the marvelous Melmo in the early 70s, a magical girl series about a nine-year-old girl who gets magical candies that age her up or down, and whose panties can be seen just all over the place. Mm. While earlier magical girl shows had been for girls and was thus largely panty-free, this was a show focused on on teaching sex education to children. For the record, parents complained about the show, but primarily about the sex education part, not the panty shot part. Hmm. Um, what a confusing world we live in. I know. <laughs> Just... uh, boomer parents uh, really, really 
Wow. Okay. Uh, or I guess this would be the boomer parents' parents. Anyways, mm. later on in the 70s, we also got the first fighting magical girl, Cutie Honey, who is rendered nude all the time despite being 17 years old. And parents definitely complained about that nudity. Fair. Uh, her mm. series has been a lot of variations in terms of levels of sexualization, depending on the intended audience as she's been rebooted. Panty shots had become extremely normalized in media, not targeted to girls in Japan, to the point where some viewers might be numb to it, but it's not just you. I did some Googling in Japanese and found a lot of parents and or feminist blogs and social media posts asking if it's okay to still show these two movies to kids often only realizing the panty shots were weird in the context of hearing non-Japanese insight on the films. Mm. If these movies were made today, I think they'd have either very few panty shots or none at all due to that change in regulations of children's media in the 90s. Improvement can be seen in Ponyo, to be sure, where she is designed with adorable poofy white shorts. Oh, yeah, she is. Mm. Um <laughs> The regularity of panty shots in media, especially media for teen boys and young men, is so normalized that it's often celebrated or shocking when a show doesn't cross that line. Luckily, I mostly watch shows for kids, so I don't have to be subjected to that most of the time. Um, it goes on. It goes on for there. Mm -hmm. But it, it first of all, thank you so much, Ayumi, for that yes. truly contextualization. What a wild history. Uh, what a world. <laughs> and also, I think, uh, as Ayumi points out, another example of a male auteur filmmaker realizing kind of the implications of what he was doing or sort of like connecting some of the dots and and seeing how his work could be interpreted or the similarities of far more troubling depictions of uh, young girls in media and then course correcting as a result so another shout out to Miyazaki mm -hmm. for kind of recognizing that but yeah that is something because I grew up watching Totoro that was the only um Miyazaki film that I had exposure to as a kid and I remember thinking as a kid like wow there's a lot of underwears in the movie and that and that's weird because I try to hide my underwear um so <laughs> yeah I was just curious about that so uh, once again thank you Ayumi for um providing all of that insight and context very very helpful and i want to learn more about the pokemon see thank you joelle for telling us what the pokemon <laughs> seizure scandal is there's so much god so much so many so many bizarre things to know in this world uh <laughs> so uh is there anything else that we wanted to touch on i think that's it from me well, i'm good i feel thank you guys for this i really appreciated taking a this trip back i watch howl's moving castle like three times a year it's my favorite miyazaki film mm -hmm. uh unfortunately i'm so sorry i want to be better every time i'm like oh but look at Howl, and then she's old and she's learning life lessons it's so great um i mean we but, have so many requests for all of these movies like when we announced we were doing yeah, it's gonna take us years <laughs> yeah so we're going like everyone's like well why aren't you doing princess mononoke and it's like we will just give us we will get there <laughs> we have one at, at a time please uh but if you haven't already done howls i will at a two thousand percent come back for house movie castle come back for howls because it is 
Oh, so freaking good. Um, and it does have a bad language, but we can talk about her later. Um, mm. But yes, it's strolling back to Kiki and it just what a way to honor your inner 13 year old child. If you're doing that kind of work in therapy like I am, mm. um, I was like, look at her. She serves to be loved and just supported. And look at how great things turn out when she trusts her heart and, and herself. And oh, God, what a beautiful movie. It really it truly is. is. I forgot how episodic it was in it's I, I love an episodic movie. I just uh Kiki, I, I can't wait to show Kiki to my niece when she's Yay. older. Yes. Also shout out to the children's book that this was adapted from oh, right. a yes. nineteen eighty five book by Aiko Kadono which I read that there were pretty significant adaptation changes that Miyazaki made in the script and that originally the author was not thrilled with those changes and the project almost got shut down because of it. But eventually the author was like, actually, go go ahead. Um, yeah. Some of the more cinematic moments, such as the Hindenburg <laughs> crashing, uh, was not in the source material. Fair. That felt like a movie moment. <laughs> um, but the, the book was also kind of episodic, uh, and I think that's probably where that structure in the movie comes from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to shout out the source material. I haven't read it. Oh my gosh. But- Guys, one of the notes from the author is this Kiki's delivery service was inspired by one of my daughter's drawings. It was a picture of a witch flying through the sky, listening to a radio. Musical notes dance around her. It reminded me of photos of New York from a bird's eye view that I had seen in Life magazine. There were beautiful images, and I felt like there was a story there. Oh, God, I love this so much more. It's so precious. Everything about this is so wholesome. And thank you, Kate. Thank you for noting that the source material is by a woman because I feel like that very much. I mean, clarifies a lot. Always, (laughs) always happy to like give Miyazaki his flowers for being (laughs) exceptionally good at taking great care with um, his characters who are women, but also shout out to Aiko Kadono. And also, just a quick shout out because this is the dub that I and I think all of us are very emotionally attached to. Kirsten Dunst, man, oh. what a mm-hmm. what a run, what a career! Holy shit! The fact that Kiki's Delivery Service, the Disney dub, is like the fiftieth coolest thing she's ever done is uh, <laughs> just a testament. Mm. Lover, R.I.P. Phil Hartman, Jeanine Garofalo, Jill, the I fucked it up too, <laughs> and of course Jeff the dog, <laughs> Jeff the and Jeff the dog, dog as himself. Feminist icon Jeff the dog, um, truly an ally. <laughs> does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yes, it does. Yes, almost 100%. constantly. As Jamie mentioned from scene one. Yarp. Oh, perfection. Uh, and that brings us to our nipple scale: zero to five nipples, based on how the movie fares. Examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. Oh, I'm gonna go like four and a half maybe 4.75 even mm-hmm. the only thing i'm really docking it for is how the tombo character yeah. does that i'm gonna wear you down and i'm gonna not respect your boundaries uh, and that's not really interrogated in any meaningful way and it ends up working out for everybody because they become friends and that behavior should not be encouraged or portrayed in such a way that it yields good results or at least without a significant like 
having to reckon with that behavior. Because I'm all for right. like, uh, I think it actually could be really valuable for boys watching movies to see that behavior and then see of like, oh, I can't do that. And I will not mm-hmm. be rewarded with friendship if I do that. And like mm-hmm. watching a character learn that could have been, it just, it feels like the only missed opportunity of the movie. Because it does take her a while. Like, she's like, ooh, you're rude, and you didn't introduce yourself, and you don't even know my name. And, you know, like, she's not receptive to it for a long time. But I wish there had just been more of a clear when she does switch and, like, she gets excited to go to the party after he invites her. I don't really know why, what inspired, like, what's the catalyst for. Mm-hmm. So I wish, yeah, he, he had been like, I'm sorry for stalking you. Uh, I won't do it again. Here's an invitation to my party. Something like that would have worked a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, like, there's just so much to love about this movie. There's so much that it's doing well that media that's, like, appropriate for children, like a, you know, kids and family movie that, especially in mainstream American cinema, was not doing at all. So mm-hmm. I love the relationships between female characters in this movie. I love that it's an exploration of a girl who's figuring things out and exploring what she likes and what she wants to do and what her skills are and who she is and what type of person she wants to be and how the world and, you know, like external factors and other people that you encounter are going to maybe put a damper on your attitude sometimes but like learning how to deal with that and overcome those obstacles and just like the whole character arc and just like exploration of her character that happens in the movie is just like so wonderful we're in desperate need of more of those types of stories and characters still to this day Four and three quarters nipples, one to Kiki, one to Asono, one to Ursula, one to the lesbian couple, and my three quarters nipples, I don't know if I should do Gigi or Jeff the dog, because I love them both so much. Uh, Add silent husband and they each get a part of the quarter. Uh, Okay. True. True. I'm into that. Silent husband. Look, and then, and then, you know... Greg at the end. Greg is there at the end. There uh, is a Greg born from the Gregnancy, and we have to acknowledge that. Young Greg. Mm-hmm. Cousin Greg. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you at 4.75. I, I do think the Tombo uh, story was a missed opportunity to completely subvert literally everything else going on in uh, children's media at that time, at mm-hmm. least in the West. And I. I, I do I'm, I'm very into right now learning about the Disney Studio Ghibli relationship and how it seems it also seems like Studio Ghibli movies had a huge impact on how Disney animated movies look but how Pixar animated movies are written mm-hmm. with a you know point on like a strong emotional stories and like subverting what you're used to seeing and it just yeah I just think that that interaction between the two um the two studios is really fascinating and speaks to Studio Ghibli so much because it's like Miyazaki's movies are so good that they made western movies progressively better over time because the bar was simply so high come on icon mm-hmm. Come on, influencer. <laughs> <laughs> you better the move original the needle. influencer. 
And that like Miyazaki was inspired by Disney originally. So it's like this weird like back and symbiotic forth. Symbiotic relationship um, for sure. I, you know, not to hand it to men, but it's just interesting. Um, Kiki is just, I loved her when I was a kid. I love her now. I think it's like the lo- the the more time that passes, the more I'm astounded that there is a story about a young girl learning her own worth and like not, you know, learning things over time and like discovering what makes her special, even if she her skills are not honed yet. She's a kid, like, of mm-hmm. course, and finding these supportive figures that are rooting for her that she can be vulnerable and emotionally honest with and even just like simple writing choices. I don't know if this is the writer of the original book or if this is a Miyazaki choice. Don't know. But um, but just the fact that I feel like a lesser movie would have uh, Kiki rediscover her confidence through Tombo. But it's Ursula, this character who was in the movie for like three minutes, comes yeah. back and has this incredible arc and teaches Kiki awesome big sister stuff. Um, Another Titanic again. parallel is Ursula draws Kiki. Whoa. Not like, like one of well, her friends. No, 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 no. But whoa. It's, <laughs> I wouldn't have caught the, the comparison. <laughs> it's not any romantic thing. But, but both uh, sort of serve the same purpose of being like you are independently of everything else going on. Beautiful and yourself. And I care mm-hmm. about that individual. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment, they were both completely at ease and uniquely seen yes mm-hmm. there's no denying okay wow. the parallels there uh <laughs> the titanic the shrek parallels i mean the shrek wow. the shrekian nature i mean there's no denying it um yeah i just it's it's an incredible movie and i am excited to watch it more frequently now because now it's like i don't know as an adult that uh makes stuff for a living that scene with ursula i'm like mm, gotta return to that more often i think mm-hmm. <laughs> To the woods. It's real good. Away <laughs> to the woods. Joelle, what say you? Uh, wait, I gotta get my nipples away. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> All right. I'm giving one to Ursula. I'm giving yes. two to Kiki. Love it. I'm giving one to Gigi, the Japanese Gigi, the girl Gigi. Mm-hmm. How many? And then I'll give the remaining point seven five to Phil Hartman Gigi because I uh, appreciate both of them. And I think that Phil Hartman Gigi is um, an excellent ally and an uh, Yago style <laughs> hilarious animal sidekick. Yes. Joelle. Hi. What say you? <laughs> um, I agree with you guys entirely. I can't go above or below this ratings for the obvious reasons already stated. Um, I do wish um, Tombo, which now that I'm saying it, is too close to Sambo, so I would change that name. And (laughs) I feel like the reason Kiki accepts his invitation to the party is just she's been accepted by so many adults and has this career. This is her first opportunity to, like, hang out with kids her own age. Mm -hmm. And I sort of wish that had been hit harder. Who else is going to be there? Is that mean girl who doesn't like her grandma going to be there? Because I could skip that. Um, (laughs) Also, um, the car they drove around in would terrify me, too. She was very right to be afraid of a car filled with mad children with the word monkey scribbled on the side. I don't know what you're getting into, but nothing good happens in that car. I promise you. Not a seatbelt in sight. Um, (laughs) Ursula obviously gets one. Uh, Sano totally gets one. I'm going to give one to her mother because he has such a beautiful line. We sort of see her trying to 
and not even she's not like a bad kid she's not trying to contradict her mother but she is trying to create space that's just her own the whole time she's around her mom and there's this like iconic moment for me anyway where she gets away from her mother and she's like my mom has been teaching me to fly since i was a baby she taught me to never be afraid and i was like oh moms are the best they're just the best (laughs) like there's so much love and respect in that line that she doesn't get to necessarily show her mother when she's around her is because you don't when you're 13 um and i thought that was such a lovely tribute to the woman who sort of shaped her before we get to meet her so one goes to mom um i'm gonna give uh one just to debbie reynolds for being debbie reynolds Mm -hmm. um yeah and then one to the dog and one to the cat because obviously uh they have supported and uplifted this story and you know way to hold it down for the kids when the parents are distracted really appreciate making sure everything goes smoothly when adults are doing adult things shout out to pets yeah pet it's incredible and that i that when when you said the thing about her her mom i it is like fascinating in the miyazaki movies we've covered so far so kiki's and spirited away there is like this interesting needle he seems to thread with his characters where it's never like a reject tradition embrace modernity or reject modernity embrace tradition it's always like embrace a little bit of both Mm -hmm. and like even in kiki's outfit where like she has the bow is hers and that's her like modern girl thing but she's wearing the traditional dress and like Mm -hmm. sticks by it even when she's like teased for it and I, i i i like that kind of thematic blend of like there's always some old and some new and his characters like see the value in tradition, but also like leave the shit they don't like behind. And yes. it's, a, it's a good way to live your life. Oh, well, and that's Kiki's delivery service. <laughs> Yay. Yes, it is. Joelle, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> uh, and seriously, come back for Howl's Moving Castle. Will Please. do. Where can people follow you on social media, check out your stuff, support your stuff, yes. etc.? Uh, you guys can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Please, please, please go check out my new podcast. It's called Comic-Con metapod there are no dashes in there don't worry about it comic-con metapod four separate words um i'm really excited about it we have some great interviews for you we just did the most chaotic interview of my life with seth green and donald Faison. um it's i think we're gonna release it uh this coming wednesday whatever that is do they Um, talk about being two of the members of du jour from josie and the pussycats we don't even get to du jour because they're supposed to come on for 15 minutes and they stay for an hour and (laughs) halfway through they're just talking to each other and we were like let the tape roll and it was (laughs) so much of seth being like here like donald will start talking in a negative tone about himself Seth will be like don't you dare don't you do it He's like, you're really out here working and trying. They're such good buddies in real life. We tried to make them debate, but they had all of the same feelings about everything. (laughs) And so the debate totally clicked. It's very chaotic, but so much fun. And we had um, Giancarlo Esposito on, who is as kind and warm as you'd want him to be. The absolute opposite of Gus, his character on Breaking Mm -hmm. Bad. not at all a bad guy totally like good human from the like 20 minutes that we got to interact with him 
to the point where we were crying over fandom, which if you followed me on any of my other shows, you know, like fandom is everything. I love fans, uh, not the toxic kind, but the kind that are just really loving their content and get into theories. And, you know, media has the power to change lives, as you guys so know. And Mm -hmm. to see somebody who, you know, makes it valuing their fans and these very precious interactions, you know, and then to the point where he is actually shedding tears. I mean, transformational. We felt so much lighter. (laughs) We were like just in disbelief. My co-host Hector and I were just like, I can't believe this happened. It's the most like just uplifting, positive interview we've had in so long. Um, So there's a lot of great stuff out there. And if you know anything about Hector, he's just wonderful, brilliant. A treasure. The best. Adorable human. Um, So I hope you guys will come check it out. It's available wherever you get podcasts. Comic-Con, Metapod. Hell yes. Check it out. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Bechtelcast. You can check out our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you get two bonus episodes every month and access to the entire back catalog of bonuses, of which there are over 100. Can you believe it? Uh, The passage of time is wild like that. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, this this month, the month of May, we are doing Face Off and Top Gun. So if you want a very different wow. vibe, uh, <laughs> head over there. Cause <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to be tuning in, guys. That's it is a, a great follow-up. Uh-huh. Chaos. Uh, watch me <laughs> grapple with the fact that I think uh, Face Off is an amazing movie. Uh, it's so good. No shame. <laughs> they took the face all the way off. It, I was and they, shocked. And then uh, they put it back on to someone else. The amount, I just wasn't expecting to see the faces off quite so much. And I was like so as a big body horror fan, ooh, I love when those faces are not on. Um, anyways, <laughs> head over there for that. You can check out our merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Bechtel cast. And uh, what, what do you say, gang? Why don't we uh, get on our, our brooms and uh, brooms and Zoom? Time to kick off. Let's Zoom on those brooms. Zoom a Zoom. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.